Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I'm your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we're speaking with Joyce Briggs. Joyce is the president of Alliance for Contraception in Cats and Dogs. And she's a previous guest to the Community Cats podcast. And if you're interested in finding out about her background and how she got started in animal welfare and caring about community cats, I recommend that you go to episode number 157, which was a bit over a year ago, and tune in and find out about Joyce's background. So that's episode number 157. You can just go to communitycatspodcast.com, go into the search bar and put in 157 or Briggs, and her show will come right up. And I encourage you to listen to that and find out about how she got started. Um, but today, Joyce is here to tell us about a symposium. I believe it's the sixth symposium that the Alliance for Contraception and Cats and Dogs is holding in July in Boston. Joyce, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stacy. Thanks so much for having me on. Yes. So I'm thrilled and excited because Boston is basically my hometown, and you decided to hold a three-day conference in Boston. And I was wondering if you might be able to share a little bit about the conference and about Alliance for Contraception and Cats and Dogs. I would love to, and I'm so glad you're going to be joining us at that conference. (laughs) Wouldn't miss it. (laughs) Sure. Well, first, a little bit about ACCND. We are focused on, as the as the name says, kind of non-surgical approaches to fertility control for cats and dogs. And I am particularly passionate about that when we talk about community cats because we have such a big job out there you know, in your listening area and worldwide. Um, And it can be really challenging to have enough surgical resources to be able to reach the number of cats we need to to make a difference. So um, our work is as a catalyst for new methods of spaying and neutering that can be done by an injection, possibly orally, but that can be additional tools for us beyond surgery. And we're big fans of spay-neuter. We just feel like it's uh, we need additional tools uh, in our toolbox. So this process, the research, has been going on for years. As we were chatting a bit before we started recording, I feel like you've been passionate about this issue and working with regards to this issue for years and years. When did the idea of non-surgical sterilization really come about? Good question. You know, I have been involved in this full-time now for 10 years, and several years before that, when I was executive director of PetSmart Charities, I saw some of the first grant applications coming in from scientists who were trying to do this. And to me, it was completely novel back then. You know, it is, some of those people had been working on it for several years before that, but really the animal welfare field was awakened to this possibility about probably 14, 15 years ago. As I said, I've been involved in it for 10 years and probably the most dramatic influx of funding to try to make this happen happened just coming up about 
about 10 years this fall, and that's the Michelson Prize in Grants. So back at about 10 years ago, Dr. Gary Michelson committed a $25 million prize to the the entity that could come up with a holy grail of a sterilant. It would be a one-time treatment, affordable, permanent, works in cats and dogs, males and female. And he also brought a $50 million grant pool to that. So over the last 10 years, about $15 million of the 50 million dollars has been invested. And we've all learned a lot about some of the basic reproductive things that needed to be learned about cats, believe it or not, because no one had tried to do this really before. So we've made a lot of progress, but we're not there yet. Cats are really good at reproducing. It's probably <laughs> They're probably the, the pros of the animal world along with rabbits. And it can be challenging, but there's definitely progress. And this symposium that we're having in Boston in July is going to be kind of rounding up all the the work that's been done and the the newest research in that area. It looks like you have uh, almost 30, 40 different speakers on a whole range of different topics. I don't know if you'd like to give us a a sampling of what some of the presentations are or even just you have, I, I think there's some certain themes to the days even. You know, we have over 40 speakers that are going to be with us for two and a half days. And from a community cat lens, I'll tell you the topic the kind of topics that we're covering because they're really exciting. So we are covering this being a catalyst to create new sterilants or long-term contraceptives for cats that would be able to be used in in free-roaming cats. And presentations will also address some of the really key questions around that and around implementing a product like that in the field. So we'll have people that are speaking on the research that's been done, you know, actually with cats and different sterilants and pharmaceuticals that have have looked at suppressing their fertility. The question always comes up about how will we visibly know these cats have been treated because the males may still have their testicles, the females won't show a sign of a space scar, and there's a number of projects we work on to actually see how we could be innovative in visually identifying cats that have been treated. We need to know how are we going to actually use this in the field. There's hasn't been a lot of science on how do we design community cat programs to know that we are reaching enough cats with sterilization or contraception to be able to definitely make a difference in their populations coming down over time humanely. And there's a fair bit of new science in that area that people will be able to see that will help them know how to set goals and to do a job of monitoring their community cat programs. The other areas that we'll be talking about is how do we make strong decisions in the field ethically. And there's a lot of ethics that come into animal welfare and that we stumble over as we try to 
create programs and make decisions with staff and volunteers. You know, one of the core ethical conundrums we have oftentimes had is around, you know, what cats do we feel okay to release back in the field versus keep in a shelter? You know, and when is releasing a cat a better option than euthanasia? I mean, that's been an ethical conundrum that's that's been really challenging for this field over the last 20 years. So we've got some new tools in the area of kind of ethical decision-making that, that we've used in our work and think would be helpful for people across the board in animal welfare. That's that's very fascinating. I just want to chime in on that because I think those questions are coming up as we start to have areas where population, cat population has changed dramatically. And so behaviors are changing. And it's interesting to see those questions coming out, a lot of questions around spaying and neutering or spaying pregnant cats, spaying feral cats, returning friendly cats. Those questions that we may have had the the you know right or wrong answers to five or ten years ago, some people are questioning those decisions now. Absolutely. And it is kind of a, a, a changing field. You know, as I've gotten more involved in this area, I realize that that veterinarians and people who work at this intersection of cat issues, you know, are in such a tough situation because you have people around you who see their cat as their child and you have people around you who see cats as vermin. And that brings such really different value sets to the work that we do that it can be really challenging to navigate working with communities and caretakers and people who have such different values. Are you covering anything with regards to wildlife issues? So there is a whole parallel field of wildlife fertility control. And we learn a lot from what's been tried in wildlife in the field. And and truly managing populations of wildlife has a lot in that's similar to managing cats. So we will have certainly the input of people who who are involved in wildlife fertility control at this symposium. We have the um, folks from the Botstiber Foundation for Wildlife Fertility Control that will be speaking about lessons they've learned that have application for cats and dogs. And we have the one of the fellow who's done computer simulation modeling for us for cats spends most of his time working on endangered species and how you model restoring limited populations of wildlife to ones that are appropriate to sustain that species. He also knows how to work on overabundant species and he's using those talents to help us model free-roaming cat populations. And is that that's John Boone you're talking about? Yeah, John Boone and his colleague, um, Phil Miller, who is who are both key to our cat modeling committee. Excellent. Yes. And I'm looking at your speaker list right now. And then I, you have Margaret Slater, who's also been a guest on our show. 
and we have Emma Clifford, and she's also been on the show. So you have quite a few of the Community Cats podcast uh, alum who are coming to to speak at this event. And uh, yeah, it's an all star cast. It really, it really <laughs> is. And then there are plenty more for me to learn from and approach, and hope to have more guests on the show. And uh, I, I really am excited to learn and absorb more information because. The next 10 years is just, it's going to be full of so many interesting things, conversations about our our next steps with regards to our companion animals. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. The Community Cats podcast will soon be a year old with over 200 episodes profiling amazing people who are all making a difference in the lives of community cats. If you would like to support the show but not be a sponsor, feel free to contribute to our efforts by going to www.communitycatspodcast.com and follow the donate link. Help us to continue to provide excellent programming. You made a reference earlier about how you felt that cats are really good at, you know, producing kittens and overpopulating versus dogs. You maybe are saying not so much. So I'm getting the sense that where you may have entered into this thinking, oh, well, cats and dogs and non-sterilants, maybe they're kind of the same. Well, they're really not very much the same. And you're entering into a lot of different challenges with regards to cats that you haven't faced with dogs. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you do have a non-surgical sterilant for puppies six months and under. And is there such a thing for adult dogs? I, I believe there's a non-surgical sterilant of some component in the in the dog world, but there's nothing in the cat world. What there is in the dog world is several products and two basic approaches that work in male dogs. And one of them is, one of those approaches is permanent. In the United States, it's got FDA approval under the name Zuterin, and it is an intertesticular injection, which makes a lot of people cross their legs. It's a... It's a very fine needle. It's an insulin insulin, uh, grade needle, however, and doesn't appear to be painful to the dogs. They need to stand still during an injection into each testicle, but it is then permanent. And actually, that is known to work in cats as well. And there is some research on that. However, you need to have, you would need to have a cat in a position where you could give it an injection in a testicle. And truly for most cats or for certainly for feral cats, I think you would end up needing to heavily sedate that cat. And at that point, neutering is easy enough that there just hasn't been a lot of interest in, in developing this for cats. There's also a product in in Europe that lasts for a year in male dogs and it's an implant so very different it's an implant that's done you know in the the neck area so that's yeah that's very very different and it actually has quite a, developed quite a good a business but you're right and i think these are the first generation of things coming together frankly males are easier than females and dogs a bit easier than cats you know, your audience might know that that cats are induced ovulators and dogs are not. And that means that when when cats mate, it actually the act of mating stimulates ovulation. 
And for for many women who have tried very difficult, very hard to get pregnant and to time ovulation with with um, being with their husbands, you know that would be a really handy way to see that you got pregnant is to have an induced ovulation. So so it makes cats extra extra skilled at getting pregnant. So are you are you saying in a situation then where there's a female cat but no male cats around? that cat will not ovulate? You know, there are times when cats, as I understand, will ovulate in kind of in the environment, but typically they wait until they they are mated and that stimulates the actual ovulation. Estrus begins, you know, they, they still go into estrus, but the actual ovulating is stimulated by mating. And not that I advocate this, but there have been some traditions in the past where organizations have used a drop trap or something to, if their funds are tight and there's an opportunity for really low cost neutering, because neutering is a much easier procedure, they will target the males in some communities just because they feel they can get a higher number of cats if they go for the males if there's limited resources in terms of a strategy. So, um, but it only takes one, I, it only takes one, you know, that's, one unneutered exactly. cat. So you, you know, you have to get them all, which we never get them all, but. And that's the kind of question that our, our modeling looked at. Yeah. It's it, because you can, you can pose those to a model and see what happens. And as you're right, it only takes one. So there's typically access to at least one male that hasn't been, hasn't been neutered yet. I mean, I think every trapper is trying to think of the most effective, the biggest bang for their time and, you know, efforts and and all that kind of stuff. Because as you and I both know, you know, trapping is not a a, a very efficient process. Uh, You know, it's time consuming. You, it's brutal to get the last cat. If you can get the last cat in a colony, then, you know, a new cat will show up either through abandonment or, you know, variety of different ways. So there's that vacuum effect too. So there's so many different components to think about. Right. I think you've had John Boone as a guest as well on your show. Have you? Not yet. He's on my list. We're emailing. So he's, he will be down the road. He would be a wonderful person for your, your folks to listen to. I can tell you though, from the modeling work we've done that you're probably best focusing for reproductive control on females yep. and on, on females that are, are young, but probably over the age where mortality may be high among kittens in the field. Yeah. So, so, uh, female cats that are, are, have gone through puberty. Mm-hmm. Yep. But people can co- actually, people can come to the symposium and hear John Boone talk on this topic. I would really suggest it. There'll be some new work that, that we're unveiling and I think they would really in, uh, find it interesting. When again is the symposium? The symposium is July 22nd to 24th. It kicks off with a reception on a Sunday, that Sunday evening, the 22nd, and then it's two full days. You were referencing earlier the the first full day, um, everybody will be together. And that's part of the magic of this symposium is that we have people who are animal advocates, leaders in the uh, advocacy field, scientists, people from animal health, funders, a real array of people that don't typically come to the same conferences. We'll have everybody together the first day for a lot of the the overall presentations. And then the second day, it divides into people interested in more field implementation or people interested in actually developing the scientific developing of sterilants and the work that's been done there. 
So the deeper dives that second day, people will have a chance to go back and forth in the sessions if they like, or really go into the track that that's best fits their interest. Right. I mean, I, I, it's a, it's an intimidating crowd for somebody like me who doesn't have very many, like any letters at the end of my name, but, um, <laughs> there's just, there's so many, you know, PhDs and various different degrees. I, I'm sure that I may get a bit lost in the science, but I'm, I'm hoping I'll come out at the end with an understanding of, you know, how close we are, how far are we away from this and, yes. and what could be the potential roadblocks? I mean, sometimes it's not science. That's the roadblock for us. It may be more of just our own animal welfare cultural issues and biases, which we are a pretty vocal and opinionated group. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) And so I just, I do wonder about how would the new science take with all of us too? Mm -hmm. Well, that's why I think it's really important to have our advocacy world represented at this conference. And it, it typically is. We have senior people with the ASPCA, HSUS, Alley Cat Allies, Alley Cat Rescue that are all going to be here at the conference. And their voices, as well as people who work more closely at the field level, are really important because People who are designing these sorts of new products need to understand the use case. Mm -hmm. They need to understand what's important to us in the field. And some of those cultures that that you described that um, these would need to be successful within. Right, right. And I'm, you know, initially was just thinking about the United States, but I should always be thinking globally now. Good point, Stacey. You know, and we at our last symposium we had, which was five years ago, we had 16 different countries represented. So far, we've got almost that in the people who've signed up for this conference. So while it will be primarily folks from the U.S. and a lot of U.S. focus, there's high interest in this worldwide. So if anyone's interested in signing up for the conference or would like to find out more about um, your organization, how would they do that? Our general website is www.acc-d.org. And on that homepage, you can scroll down, you'll see uh, the information on the symposium and click through to a, a full web area that tells you who the speakers, the agenda, and how to register. That's great. I was on your website earlier today and there was mention of a free ebook there. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And, and is that something you'd think that folks would be interested in checking out? Yeah. On our website, there is a, a, a drop down from the top in a first homepage called resources library. And on that, there are a lot of things. There's the ebook you mentioned, which is a really kind of comprehensive view of what's going on in this field. It's dated about the time of our last symposium. It's almost five years old. So there's a lot of good reference, but not the newest stuff you're going to see at the symposium. There are also product profile and position papers and position statements. And you can, you can see a number of things there are really relevant for people interested in community cat issues. I think I'm going to check that out as my uh, pre-education for this upcoming conference <laughs> so that I, I at least walk in with, with a little bit of uh, more solid knowledge about the issues. Cause I, I do think that we'll have some really, really interesting conversations and, and fascinating presentations. 
Joyce, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I guess what I'll just add for your benefit and theirs is that first evening of the conference, there's something called Repro Biology 101. And it's a, a primer, kind of a primer or a, a refresher session for people that talks about the cat and the dog reproductive systems and how they work, because that's kind of key to showing how we figure out ways to interrupt those. So that'll be a, a good setup for that as well, Stacy. Oh, excellent. So then that'll help uh, make me not feel so quite so uncomfortable. And you will do fine. That's <laughs> good. Well, they say it's always good to learn new things. So that's that's the way that I'm looking at it. And, and I think this is the coming future. And I, I am not shy about the future. So I look forward to learning more about it. And Joyce, I want to do a really big shout out to you and your efforts because you have truly been the leading advocate in this issue. And I understand you have some fabulous financial, you know, support with the, with the prize being offered and everything, but you have really been it, to my knowledge, the boots on the ground, really making this happen over the years. I'm not really sure where we would be without all of your efforts and commitment to this cause. So I want to thank you for that. Stacy, you are so kind. I'm determined it's going to be my legacy in this field that we get the tools that we need to really reach the cats we want to be able to help. So th thank you for what you do for that. <laughs> yeah, great. And uh, Joyce, thank you again for agreeing to be a guest on my show. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future, maybe before the next symposium. My pleasure. We'll see you in July, Stacy. Sounds great. <laughs> okay, bye-bye now. I want to hear from you what the Community Cats Podcast means to you. You can now leave a recorded testimonial on the Community Cats Podcast website and share your thoughts about the show. You can also ask questions, share show ideas, pretty much anything you want. Just go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on the testimonial link and record. You hear from me all the time, and now I want to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you.